Welcome to the February edition of what we are pleased to announce is now the General Well Servicing CAODC podcast. As our regular listeners know, we uh, haven't had a title sponsor in several months, so we are very excited to announce that General Well Servicing is on board with us for the year. I had a chance to catch up with Dennis Day and Mike Fowler from General Well, and they are looking forward to what 2021 has to offer our industry. All right, we've got Mike Fowler and Dennis Day from General Well Servicing on the line. First of all, gentlemen, thank you very much for sponsoring the podcast. We appreciate it. We haven't, we haven't had a sponsor in a little while, so uh, thanks for that. Oh, sounds good. We appreciate getting the call. It's Dennis, and I got Mike here. He's going to do some ramrodding and talking. <laughs> Excellent. So tell us a little bit about General Well Servicing. Where are you guys located? How many rigs? All that sort of good info. Well, we're... we're out of Carnage, uh, Saskatchewan, and uh, we've been here for 60 years, and we've had General Well Servicing since 1996, and we had five rigs just a month ago. We bought another one, so we got six now total. And how are things going so far in uh, 2021? Yeah, no, all our rigs are busy. They're out. They're actually all working for Tundra right now. You know, Tundra's got lots of work going on because they you know took over some properties in saskatchewan last year so all of them are out and uh, things are running well that's great um mike nice to meet you um can you tell can you tell us a little bit about uh, how things are going with the site reclamation program i know well that's not what it's called in saskatchewan it's the ascp i believe out there but uh how are you finding that? It's coming along. You know, uh, I just talked to our operations manager, Kevin McCannell, and uh, I think we have about a dozen under our belt so far um, and with lots more on the, on the table. And, and so far it's been, you know, it's, it's worked out pretty good. Well, that's great news. And I think, uh, you know, I'm hearing a lot of positive sentiment for, uh, for 2021. And, uh, you know, there's been some really good activity levels through the first couple of months here. I'm actually just about to pull the, uh, the data. So, um, and of course, we'll have that up and coming here on the podcast right away. So, uh, yeah, it's- We've been impressed with what we've seen so far and we're pretty excited for the rest of 2021 here. Excellent. Well, once again, thank you very much for your sponsorship. We really appreciate it. We hope you guys have a great year. We hope all our members do and uh, let's stay in touch and we'll have you back on Again, I'm sure. All right, sounds good, John. Yeah, sounds good. So thanks again to Dennis and Mike, and we are super pleased to have General Well as our title sponsor for 2021. We are also very pleased to have as our guest this month, Mr. Andrew Davidson, President, CEO, and Chairman of the Board at Royal Helium Limited. It's great to see CAODC members getting opportunities to uh, get their rigs working on all sorts of projects and, and very recently Savannah Drilling actually was out working for Royal on a couple of helium wells so we thought that was pretty cool and we thought uh, we'd invite Mr. Davidson to join us and let us know what's involved in helium exploration and production so he is coming up. We've got a great episode this month and let's get right into it by starting with the industry update. Our industry update is brought to you by Rigger Talk. Rigger Talk is your global energy services network. Join the growing Rigger Talk community 
of over 350,000 energy professionals worldwide. Get pinned on the map today at riggertalk.com. On the drilling side, in January, we had 4,689 operating days compared with 6,834 in January of 2020 for a decrease of 31% year over year, which is the same year over year decrease as last month. So I think we're catching up and uh, treading a bit of water there. Hopefully we'll move into positive territory. Well, I mean, it's inevitable we'll move into positive territory because we we're coming off the worst year that we've had. Uh, so that's great. Active rigs for the month averaged 178 down from 265 in 2020 or a decrease of 17,400 jobs year over year. Our registered drilling fleet sits at 489, up one rig from last month, and down 25 year over year. Provincially, in January, Alberta averaged 68% of active rigs, Saskatchewan had 19%, BC 11%, and Manitoba 1%. In 2020, Alberta had 66% of active rigs, Saskatchewan had 26%, BC 6%, and Manitoba 2%. This January, on average, 106 rigs were drilling for oil and 67 were drilling for gas, so a 60-40 oil-to-gas split, while in January of last year, 195 rigs were drilling for oil and 57 were drilling for gas, so a 77 percent to 23 percent split oil to gas so the trend for gas uh, taking a bigger market share continues on the service rig side operating hours in january were down only six percent over 2020 totals and we have steadily been closing the gap on the year-over-year negative differential this year we saw 89,744 op hours versus 95,800 in 2020 a decrease of 6,056 op hours. Month over month, we had 72,979 op hours in December, and uh, that total is up slightly from our reported total on the last podcast because we had a couple late additions there. Uh, But we are up month over month 16,765 op hours, or 23%. The working service rig count was up, 39 month over month to 485, uh, but down from 529 in 2020. So we're down about 44 rigs uh, year over year. However, hours per working rig are up eight year over year from uh, 130 to 138, and we are up 19 working rigs from last month's total. Provincially, Alberta saw 69% of service rig activity in December, Saskatchewan 23%, BC 5%, and Manitoba 3%. Last year, the provincial service rig breakdown had Alberta at 67% of operating hours, Saskatchewan at 23%, BC at 7%, and Manitoba at 3%, so virtually identical there. It looks like BC's lost about 2% of activity that Alberta has picked up. Um, According to their February 9 short-term energy outlook, the U.S. Energy Information Administration is estimating global energy consumption was at 93.9 million barrels per day in January, a decrease of 2.8 million BPDs from last year. 
EIA is forecasting an average global consumption level of 97.7 million barrels per day in 2021, up 5.4 million BPD versus 2020. And so essentially this means that a year after the worst demand shock we've seen in a, in a long time, or maybe ever, uh, will only be 2.3 million barrels per day off of the 100 million total that we were at. So uh, clearly the demand for oil um, continues. On the pricing side, EIA is still predicting an average of $50.21 US for WTI through 2021, even though we've uh, pretty much blown through that number early on here. Uh, they are forecasting a decrease in US production until June but are expecting drilling and production levels to increase in the second half of the year. EIA estimates that U.S. crude oil production will average 11 million barrels per day in 2021, down from 11.3 million barrels per day in 2020, and 12.2 million barrels per day in 2019. And they are predicting that uh, production will rise to 11.5 million barrels per day in 2022. On the natural gas side of the equation, EIA reports the Henry Hub natural gas spot price averaged $2.71 US per million BTUs in January, up from the December average of $2.59. And they are predicting uh, prices closer to $3 throughout the year. Of course, we saw spot pricing spike with the recent cold snap in much of the US, so those higher numbers will obviously push up the yearly average. Uh, but clearly that's an anomaly and they're not expected to stay uh, high like that throughout the year. Uh, but this forecast was written at the beginning of the month, so it'll be interesting to see how the weather has impacted withdrawal levels and storage levels and what they are reporting next month, because uh, that was a pretty significant uh, occurrence down south. Um, in January, natural gas usage was slightly lower than average, according to EIA, and storage levels were slightly above normal levels, so we'll have to see how things have shifted after these cold snaps. Over the past week or so, we have been averaging about 185 active rigs compared with about 121 this time last month. Of those 185, 61% are drilling for oil and 39% for gas. So that is it for the industry update for February 2021. Our industry update is brought to you by Rigger Talk. Rigger Talk is your global energy services network. Join the growing Rigger Talk community of over 350,000 energy professionals worldwide. Get pinned on the map today at riggertalk.com. All right, stay tuned because after the break, we are joined by Andrew Davidson, President, CEO, and Chairman of the Board at Royal Helium Limited. General Well Servicing is a premier and proud family-run service rig contractor, serving our customer base in southeast Saskatchewan and southwest Manitoba since 1996. For over 25 years, we have been building one of the most efficient, hardworking, driven, and safest reputations in the area through hiring and training our best asset, our people. To learn more about General Well Servicing, check us out online at general.fasttruckingservice.com. Welcome back to the General Well Servicing CAODC podcast. With me now is Mr. Andrew Davidson, President, CEO, and Chairman of the Board 
at Royal Helium Limited. Mr. Davidson is a resource development professional with more than a decade of continued experience in moving quality projects from greenfield exploration to production across multiple commodity types. As founder of Royal Helium, Mr. Davidson is one of the most experienced helium exploration executives in Canada. Thank you very much for joining us, Andrew. Well, thanks for your interest and thanks for the time. So last week we were excited to see that one of our member companies, uh, Savannah Drilling, was uh, working on a helium exploration well. And yeah, it's, it's kind of another in a long list of expanding commodities that uh, drilling companies are getting involved with. So we thought our listeners would be interested in learning a little bit about the world of helium as a commodity. Um, so are you originally from Saskatchewan or how did you get started? Yeah, I, I'm from. I was raised in Saskatchewan, and like uh, and like most Saskatchewan people, I took a 10-year sabbatical to, to Calgary, where I uh, finished my schooling at U of C there, and then uh, worked at a local accounting firm, got my chartered accountant designation, started a family, and then moved back home. And uh, I've been here since 2007, and uh, been in the in the development industry of natural resources since 2010. You know, focused on a lot of things, but uh, you know, oil and gas was uh, was one of the leading uh, commodities that we've been after here uh, during that time. And then, you know, since 2016 and 2017, with a real heavy shift over towards helium development. It's uh, been a bit of a whirlwind. Helium's a very uh, uh, misunderstood, I guess, uh, resource, and that uh, people generally uh, associate it with things like balloons. And, and really, that's about it. Actually, what most people think of the helium as, and, and that's fair. I mean, balloons uh, do constitute part of the market, but it is a a small and shrinking part of the market. So, I mean, from a drilling perspective, what types of uh, formations typically hold helium? In Saskatchewan, helium is generally found right above the Precambrian basement, so in the in the Deadwood Sands formation and the Winnipeg Sands. So that that's what we target, and. Uh, uh, Savannah has been phenomenal to, to partner with on, on drilling these three wells. We're halfway through our, our final well in this program as we speak. Uh, so that's about 2,600 meters down in Saskatchewan in, into the Precambrian basement. And, and ours are, are straight vertical wells. You know, we do we do use directional tools on them to keep them straight at that depth because it's, it's a long way to travel with a lot of potential vectoring off. But uh, a uh, great group of services that are involved in this program, but in terms of in terms of drilling, it's relatively straightforward. Um, and even on the completion side, there's no we don't anticipate any need for any stimulation, no no fracking. It's uh, generally just perf through casing and, and produce gas up hole. Okay, so and how do you extract it? How do you store it? How do you transport it? Yeah, there's lots of questions. I'm happy to get into into all of it. So, producing it is is functionally the same as producing natural gas. I mean, the the gas at depth is under a high degree of pressure. It comes up on its own. Uh, historically, most uh, helium wells produced in Saskatchewan are are choked back to keep uh, flow rate under control because they do generally flow very fast when you're producing from 25 meters, 2,500 meters down. Um, once the surface, it goes through a, well, there, there's a bunch of different options you can do. What we're going to do is run it through a series of membranes, which is, uh, it's a production facility or a processing facility about the size of a sea can. 
where you, you pipe the gas into that, it separates out larger molecules, and helium being the smallest molecule is going to be what's left at the end of, of that. And so you have a sort of a refined or upgraded helium product out of the raw gas stream that you feed through. And uh, in Saskatchewan, we're a bit unique in that the gas that comes up with helium is principally nitrogen as opposed to methane, uh, which provides some pretty big advantages on the processing side. Uh, running nitrogen uh, through these membrane facilities is, is very standard, straightforward practice. It's a bit more difficult when you're dealing with natural gas that involves some cooling and, and different pressures. And we don't have to deal with that uh, to any great degree, which is nice. Now, once, it's, uh, once you have it there, it's stored in pressurized uh, tanks and basically hauled away. Uh, the way that the, the helium market is now um, every every MCF of helium that's produced is sold uh, virtually instantly. Uh, there's such a such a demand for it and such an undersupply. And what happens in Saskatchewan, where helium's been produced since the 1960s, is that uh, gets produced, loaded into into the pressurized vessels, and driven away into the U.S. And from there, it's uh, generally sold as either a gas or a liquid. Uh, it gets taken to a liquefaction plant in Wyoming is the closest one uh, to Saskatchewan. And there it gets liquefied and sold uh, around the world. It's, uh, helium as a liquid can travel anywhere. As a gas, um, it's a relatively short runway because it will escape just about anything. Okay, and so you're transporting it as a gas then? Yeah, yeah, we'll be transporting and... it as a gas until such time as we have sufficient reserves to to justify building a liquefaction facility in Saskatchewan. And uh, we're not there yet, but we're building towards it, certainly. It's it's on our project development timeline. But initially, it's going to be gas and it's going to be gone. And that's running on trucks? Yeah, it runs on trucks. So it's uh, there's, there's purpose-built helium trailers that uh, have an array of nine uh, nine tubes on them. So they, they're roughly the shape of a cigar tube, if you in one of those. And, and there's nine of them on a trailer, three, 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 and uh, they get filled, they're pressurized and sealed, and that drives away. And because they're purpose-built, what tends to happen is they get driven to an intermediate point, say in somewhere in Montana, where the transport company drops it off and then picks up an empty one and hauls it right back. And so it's sort of a constant flow of, of, of trucking back and forth. So that, that's, how, that's how it's gonna be for us. Okay, and, and so, the market for it, I was trying to do a little bit of research on it, and uh, it seems, I guess, not quite as, as structured as perhaps other commodities are. Can you tell us, can you give us a bit of an introduction to that? Or Yeah, yeah, the, the helium market is an interesting one. Uh, it, it's a very, very large market, and it, and it is extremely structured. And uh, the, what it lacks is a quoted market price. There's no spot price for helium. So it, it trades, you know, all on long-term contract, and generally with a very, very large companies. Like uh, think of the the major industrial gas companies like Air Products International, or Lindy, or Praxair. These are the primary purchasers of helium from producers, and uh, they're the largest helium sellers in the world. Uh, it's basically an oligopoly of four or five. Companies and I use oligopoly not in a negative sense. It's just that they dominate the sales side, and so the the, the overwhelming majority of, of helium that's produced in North America is sold immediately to one of those companies, and then they will take it and they will upgrade it and process it and and sell it to end user. 
So all the pricing built into the helium market is contract, long-term contract pricing. So three to five year term contracts, obviously with price escalators in for inflation and whatnot. But uh, so it, modeling a helium project from an economic standpoint uh, presents a very interesting challenge in that there's no visible market price. We were the first public helium company in North America, uh, first public company. Um, so really price transparency is going to begin with us as we have to report financial results. It'll be easy to back into what the market rate for helium is according to our long-term. So that, that's going to be an interesting development for the industry, um, something that it's certainly not used to. There are other public companies who sell helium. Uh, Exxon, for example, uh, has helium associated with its natural gas projects. But it's such a small component that it's not reported separately in their financial statements. So backing into it is virtually impossible. With us as a purpose-built helium company, it'll be it'll be clear as day. So I guess my question then is helium being produced, is it is it done more as an aside from from uh, other extraction processes or that's exactly right, John. It's exactly right. So uh, globally, it is produced exclusively as a byproduct of natural gas. Uh, that's it. Um, found traditionally, well, it, we'll back up a little bit. So helium is formed from the natural decay of uranium and thorium. That's that's how helium exists, the breakdown of uranium and thorium. And so when you look to places that have high uranium content in, in, in ground rocks, uh, Saskatchewan comes to the top of the list, so places like Wyoming and Utah and Russia, these are the places that have helium fields where it's produced with natural gas. And uh, as a result, the, the production grade of helium is exceptionally low. Like uh, from a gas stream in, in Qatar, for example, or Russia, the gas stream contains 0.04% helium, but it's harvested off at major gathering points and sold. Um, and that's how it's done everywhere in the world except for Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan has a bit of a unique... Uh, Geological formation that traps helium below hydrocarbon zones down in the Deadwood. That's how we end up producing it as a primary gas here with uh, nitrogen as opposed to methane. Now, there is, even here, there is there is helium associated with uh, with natural gas production, but uh, that's not what we're targeting. We don't we don't own the oil and gas rights on our wells. Uh, we're we're helium exclusively. Which is really, it's the first time it's been done uh, in North America on a public company side. So, sort of excited to pave that way. It's been an interesting challenge uh, uh, explaining the helium market to the investment community. Um, there's a lot of a lot of questions, a lot of head scratching about uh, what it's used for, why people should care about it. But uh, I, I sort of explain it this way: uh, uh, everyone uses helium every day. You just don't know it. So if you have a, a, a mobile phone, an iPhone, uh, helium was used in the manufacturing of that device. Anyone who uses a computer or microchips or consume helium in their manufacturing process. You know, the, biggest, the, the biggest single industry segment that uses helium is the healthcare industry, where it's used as a, uh, you know, a superconductor and industrial coolant in MRI machines. Uh, you cannot have an MRI without helium, and there's no replacement product for it in any of these uses. So, makes it so unique. It's uh, it's a completely inert element in that it will not react and it will not bind with any other element on the periodic table. And it has the lowest boiling point of any element on Earth. It remains a liquid at absolute zero. 
is why it's used as a supercoolant and a superconductor in MRI machines and elsewhere. The the really the, the more interesting markets to me and what really sort of piqued my interest when I look in, looked into this back in 2016 17 was was just that these industries like high tech manufacturing uh, that were growing at an immense rate and consuming helium at a growing rate. And uh, the other one is is rocketry. So the, the largest single customer in, in the U.S. for helium is NASA, uh, which very few people know, and why would you, I guess. But uh, uh, every every shuttle launch, every rocket launch, everything consumes helium in that process. Hmm. What kind of volumes are used there? Must be quite a bit. See, you see the fuel tanks that are on these things. As as fuels expanded, helium is injected as a as a counterbalance gas, because it's inert. It's injected there, and, and there's no risk of reaction or, or or combustion. And that's where the value really comes in, in on the rocketry side. So as you see, you know, development in terms of you know increased launches from NASA and SpaceX and China. I mean, the, these things are are going through helium at a rate faster than we've ever seen. It's, it's really a phenomenally interesting industry in that it covers so many different areas. And, and we haven't talked about the ones that everyone knows about, like uh, lifting, you know, be it balloons or blimps or, 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 or whatever. And then, you know, welding, deep sea diving, you know, leak detection is used in every pipeline to check for leaks. It's, it's phenomenally interesting in that it, it encompasses so many different segments of the economy that it, uh, the risk to the, on the demand side is exceptionally low. Demand is continuing to grow because there are more and more industries that use it and there is no replacement product, nor is there a way to manufacture it in a lab in economic quantities. So it's really, it's a, it's a non-renewable resource that uh, is growing in demand. And, and that's what's really led to the sort of the, the push into exploration for it here in the last five years or so. Um, but from an economic or a supply standpoint, there was a major shock that hit the helium market in 2018. The largest supplier globally was the U.S. Strategic Helium Reserve, uh, held by the Bureau of Land Management in Amarillo, Texas. Uh, enormous so underground storage, storage cavern filled with helium, sold out of there, recharged with production. And, and the, is that the federal government that's sort of commissioning that production, or is it the state, or...? Yeah, well, nobody now. I mean, they, they ceased that, that production entirely. So uh, sales out of that caverns started to get phased out in 2013 and ended completely in 2018, which was, you know, essentially a third of global supply uh, yanked from the market. And uh, it sent that shockwave through the price where it went from, you know, 90 to 100 to 150 to 300 and grown since then um, because there has been no replacement field found. Uh, that gets back to, to uh, the geological reasons that, that helium exists in the first place. Um, it, it's found in natural gas wells, but only conventional natural gas wells. It's not found in, in, in shale gas. So as, uh, as there's been a shift towards shale gas production and away from conventional, um, that's hurt the supply side even further. And uh, that's how we end up in this unique situation where demand is rising. Supply is falling and uh, price is spiking. Makes it a good time to, to own a decent helium land package. And so you guys are in Saskatchewan. Uh, how does the rest of the country sort of stack up? Is, is Saskatchewan sort of the, the largest uh, 
potential play for helium or, or other areas? Uh... Well, I mean, we, we certainly think it's the largest potential play for helium. It's where virtually all helium production in Canada comes from now. Uh, there's, there's good helium fields in, in Alberta as well. Again, more associated with natural gas, uh, but certainly present there. And the uranium is, is uh, one of the reasons? Exactly. Well, uranium and thorium are the only reason it exists, period. So if, it's, if that's not there, you do not have helium in your wealth. So that's why it's, it's really certain segments of oil and gas producing regions of the world that have helium as a viable byproduct from the natural gas. So again, Wyoming, Utah, Alberta, Russia, these are, these are places that, uh, that have it in what would be deemed economic quantity anyway. So Saskatchewan is unique. It does not have the highest concentrations in the world, um, but it does have exceptionally high flow rates and uh, an exceptional amount of gas. It has been written that Saskatchewan has the fifth largest helium reserves in the world. I'm not sure that's been proven in any way, shape or form. I suppose we'll have a part of, of, of proving that, but uh, you know, it, it's a great industry to be involved with, and especially times like this when you know we've seen the pain that the oil and gas sector has been going through uh, for for no good reason over the last number of years. This provides an outlet because all the services, all the all the drilling and completions are, are exactly the same as you would use in a oil and gas well. And to the extent that we can offer a new line of business, a new line of drilling. Um, that uses that skill set. Uh, it's it's a phenomenal opportunity for industry. And uh, yeah, one of one of the reasons that that uh, the government of Saskatchewan has been so uh, so heavily behind this industry developing is that it's it's such a it's such an important addition or bolt on to our existing oil and gas space. Something that yeah. is more, or, or sorry, I should say, less subject to global geopolitical risk uh, in terms of pricing. It's not subject to any environmental uproar because there's nothing, nothing negative to the environment in the gas stream that we produce. Uh, nitrogen and helium, neither of which have a negative impact on anything. Um, if, if green projects matter to you, this would qualify as well. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was great to see that we could, you know, help industry here. There was certainly a lot of services available when we went to quote our drill program and uh, had the ability to partner with uh, some of the best in the industry, like Savannah. Yeah, well, our members are, you know, really extremely happy that there are other opportunities uh, for drilling wells. Uh, so what's next for you guys? What, uh, have you got a program in place or kind of what's the, what are the next steps for, for Royal? Yeah, well, we've got, we're, we're just winding up this drill program we started back in January. We're, we, we're doing three wells. We're, you know, we've got about 500 meters to go on our last one. Uh, this is when the, the interesting drilling comes, so it'll be another week or so before we get down there. From there, we have to go through our completions program, test all these wells, and uh, test the helium concentrations to ensure that we have an economic quantity there. And then... Uh, We'll be looking to put those three on production uh, as soon as we can. And from there, we, we intend to drill out both infill drilling within our Climax line package we're drilling now and other parts of the province. And we, we control about a million acres of, of helium rights uh, in Saskatchewan, split evenly between the southwest and the southeast. So we're going to be 
quite active on the drilling side, but improving up reserves over the next, you know, 12, 18, 24 months. Um, but if we're doing our job right, um, I really don't see slowing down anytime soon. I mean, we'll, we have to get over this initial hurdle of proving that helium is in fact here in economic quantity from these three wells. Once it is, the risk is pulled off and it's now into development time. The, there's a lot of wells can be drilled into a million acres. Yeah, and so from a completion standpoint, what's a service rig doing on a helium well? Same thing it'd be doing on a natural gas well. So you know, we've identified uh, potential productive zones uh, at varying depths uh, off of you know, wireline logs through the drilling process. And we'll go back in and we'll start testing them from the bottom up. And uh, that's basically it. You run in, you, you shoot your perfs through casing and then run gas tests on, you know, fluctuating, fluctuating intervals and then gas collection, obviously at the top, the major part of it, uh, put the gas stream into a contained cylinder and send it off for analysis on what the constituents of that gas are. And uh, from there you shift over to production. It's really, it's really the same process. You check flow rates, you check porosity, permeability, recharge rates, all of these things. And we've partnered with uh, with Spruill to design the, that testing protocol. So uh, they're involved with us actively now. We announced that this morning. Um, so great partners to have. Certainly there's not many better than that in the, in the oil and gas industry to help you design a testing program and, and come up with a 51-101 report on reserves. That's where we go over the next uh, couple of months anyway. Well, that's great. Exciting times for sure. Uh, thank you very much for, for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. Where can people find out more information about uh, Royal? Absolutely. So our website is www.royalheliumltd.com. Uh, everything's on there, uh, including my contact information. Anyone who has any questions or any services they, they could offer or any anything along those lines can reach out to me at any time. Uh, my email's on there. The phone number that's on there is my cell phone number. Uh, always available. Love talking about helium. Uh, just enjoy spreading the word about this industry, which can be a great boon to, to Canada and to Western Canada specifically, as we really, we're, we're inventing something new. The industry has been around for a while, but not on a grand scale. Um, it's going to be an interesting couple of years in the future here for, for helium in general and Royal Helium specifically. All right. Well, that's Andrew Davidson, President, CEO, and Chairman of the Board at Royal Helium Limited. Thanks again. That's it for the February edition of the General Well Servicing CAODC podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks to our special guest, Mr. Andrew Davidson of Royal Helium. And we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you will join us again next time. If you have any suggestions or comments for us, please shoot us an email at communications at caodc.ca. And until next month, keep it turning to the right.